Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I am your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about creative encouragement. I want to be that little voice that's in your ear encouraging you to make, to create, to do the things that you've been wanting to do. So let's dive into today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me once again for Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and I'm excited today because I have a very good friend of mine on the podcast. I was able to interview Amanda Jolly. Uh, Amanda is a Kansas City artist who specializes in encaustic painting and uh, uses origami as well. So we'll, we'll get into that and talk about that. Um, I first met Amanda, oh, I don't know how many years ago now, five or six years ago. Uh, we were both teaching at um, Art Unraveled out in Phoenix, and we were kind of introduced by introduced to each other by a, a mutual friend who wasn't actually there, but who knew both of us and knew that we were both in the same area and that uh, we should meet. And so I met Amanda, and then a couple years later, I went to her studio in Kansas City and taught for a weekend. Amanda is a very generous uh, person, an awesome artist, and I had a lot of fun sitting down and talking with her remotely um, about her art and about inspiration and about stories and memories, and we just kind of dive into a lot of things. So um, I hope you can sit back and relax and listen to to this talk with Amanda, and I hope that you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with me on the podcast today. Um, so I've got Amanda Jolly, and uh, she's a, a good friend and an awesome artist. And I'm just so happy that, so happy, so excited that you you agreed to to be here with me today. So. Um, Anyway, so the feeling the feeling's mutual. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, good. I mean, it's been more than 2 years uh, yeah. since we saw each other. Um whenever I came out to your studio and did my workshop out there. So, um I've I've been really enjoying following along and watching all of your adventures on on uh, Facebook and such, so. So, I'm glad oh, that great. you're here. Great. Thank you. So, um anyway, so this is my podcast Artistic Accomplices is all about just trying to encourage each other and kind of, I guess, be, be that like voice of encouragement. And I think that a lot of people get stuff through our stories that they connect and we inspire people through our stories. So um, yeah. I thought we could start off with, well, what's, what's your story? How, how did you end up here where you are now? Uh, started way back in Western Kansas and the dusty trails. <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, I was raised in a small town and uh, didn't even really consider myself artistic, even though I liked doing a lot of uh, creative things. I loved music and writing and dancing and uh, really wanted to learn art, but really didn't have a good opportunity for that. And so I ended up becoming an accountant in college and uh, that didn't take very long in, in the real world for me to realize that it 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 wasn't making me thrive. So um, I started playing again. And I think play is where 
um, the art bloomed. So yeah, I just kept trying different things until I found what really felt true, which has been paper and beeswax. So yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, well, we'll get to the the paper and the beeswax in a little bit, but I'm really interested in that kind of that early part of your journey, like when you were an accountant and um, you decided like, okay, this isn't filling my soul like it should. And like you yeah. said, you weren't thriving. Um, so how did you kind of make that transition from accountant to into the art? You said you were like playing around, but what what was that kind of journey like for you, that part of the journey for you? Like? Oh, well, it was a lot of experimentation. Um, something I've always been drawn to is paper. And so uh, my real, I would say painting experience began uh, with the visual journaling movement which you know very well. So, <laughs> so that's really what gave me my first uh, outlet into painting and expressing. And um, I also love writing. So I, I found the, the book or um, altered book or journaling aspect, art, art journaling aspect uh, to be something that I could let both of the, the color and the shape and the words, and let, let them all free. And it, it was really very healing for me. I hadn't realized how much of my true self I had been suppressing to fit this successful world that I thought I, you know, needed to be uh, a certain type of person, especially as a woman. I think in the in the decades that I grew up, uh, women were becoming more uh, prominent in the workforce. But it was it was a weird. Thing. like it, it was almost like you had to give up uh, whatever whoever you were to be able to enter a masculine workforce and so it was a bizarre untwisting of all of that too and I, I heard you say in another podcast that the journal for you um, was really kind of a, a place for you that helped you process stuff so um, I guess I, I imagine that's part of that healing process that you were talking about. Yes. So uh, I, as I've mentioned, I love to write. I'll keep saying that because I writing is part of my daily process even now. Um, but uh, with the art journaling, I would often write some really vulnerable things on my pages and then I just paint over them or I'd collage over the top of them. And so I can go back to those pages now and remember uh, not the exact words, but what I was feeling at that time or what I was working through. And um, it's still very powerful stuff. I just, I love those old journals. And um, yeah, they were totally used to help me find myself again. Yeah, journaling, I think, is a very powerful thing. Like you said, you know, I, I know all about that world. And I'm like you, when I go back and look at my journals, I'm like, wow, this like you said, you might not remember exactly what you were writing, especially because mm -hmm. I've, I've obscured some of my writing, maybe not to the extent that perhaps you have, but um, it's like I can remember like what I was feeling, like what was going on in my life. And I think that connecting that the written language with the visual language helps our memory so much. And um, here recently, I've been flipping back through some of my old journals and it's just like, wow. And sometimes you forget about things and you're like, Right. Like, or, or you discover, you, oh, good. 
you recently posted uh, a video of one of your old journals. I just really immensely enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I was so glad you did that. Yeah, and it just it you, you see things in there, and you're like, why am I not still doing that? Like, how what what happened that I'm not like using those images or those colors or those those words or whatever? So it's really they're a great document of 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 what we're going through and what we're processing and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So besides the journaling, what else were you experimenting with? Because you said you were playing around with a lot of different things. Uh, soap making was one of them. I really enjoy, I enjoy cooking. So I like started with soap making and uh, I got into fermenting foods. Um, it, a lot of it was food based. I'm really not a good cook and I really don't <laughs> cook much now, but it was still part of that uh, just trying things. Yeah. And, um, so a lot of it wasn't necessarily, uh, even art based, but it was a place to just explore and find out what I did like. Yeah. Um, and I also, when I, I play, I've played the piano most of my life. And when, um, I was working as an accountant, I had stopped. And so I started doing that again. Uh, when I quit my, uh, formal career, and um, it was also very life-giving. And But now that I paint so much, I really find that I'm not on the piano as much. It's like, <laughs> as long as I have the outlet, I'm good. But <laughs> but it, having that there was wonderful. Yeah. That's good. Um, what was that like making that decision? Like, okay, I'm, I, I can support, I can, you know, make money being an accountant and then all of a sudden saying, okay, I'm going to switch careers and go into this very unknown world. What was, what was that transition like for you? It was uh, interesting. And so I came up with a plan B, which was ridiculous and it didn't last very long, but um, to be able to give up that career, I still had to have some money coming in. So I sold Tupperware for, <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> it didn't last very long at all. I was like, Oh my goodness. But, it was just, it was scary because, uh, but I also knew uh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't go to the office mm -hmm. anymore and sit in this room and sit in front of a computer all day. I just couldn't do it. And uh, I had to make some sort of change. So even the Tupperware was better for, for me um, than the office was the office environment. Although I did have a, I was working for a great company and all of that. And I could have kept climbing the ladder. Yeah. I just couldn't do it internally anymore. You have to be, you have to do who you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, I, I've talked uh, on the podcast and other places about my transition from teaching, you know, I was teaching art, but it, it just teaching in public schools is so different that, from the teaching that I'm doing now. And yeah, when I was dry, when I was going to work being miserable and, and I was angry all the time, I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And yeah, it's, it was definitely yeah. kind of scary. Um, and that was in the mid nineties that you made that yeah. transition. Uh, yeah, I think I, uh, sold Tupperware for like two years, maybe 97, 98. And, and yeah. then, um, after that, I, I did do a part-time bookkeeping job uh, for a couple years and, and did some piecemeal sort of work like that just to keep a steady income, uh, coming in. But beyond that, uh, I also had two, two children at home. So, uh, it was 
a lot of play with them and a lot of journaling. Yeah, a lot of art journaling. So, um, so you, you're talking about having two kids. Um, so I can imagine that support from your family has had to be very important at that time. Oh, yes. Yeah, it, it was. And, and uh, I think it, for Scott, my husband, who is an amazing guy, um, which you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was pretty scary, too, because uh, we had to rely on his income when I gave up that uh, career. But we quickly figured out that uh, a healthier me is so much better to be around, even with less. Yeah. than Yeah. Yeah, when, when I got out of teaching, my wife was very supportive because she had done something similar. She was a teacher and that's how we met. And she got to the point in her teaching career where she she was miserable. And, yeah. and this was right when we first met and she transitioned out. So whenever I said, okay, I want out, she was like, totally understood because she had been there herself. So um, yes. I think having that support, I think if you were in a relationship where your significant other doesn't quite understand like, well, wait a minute, you're going to leave this job that's secure and you're making money to go do this thing that you're not sure of there. Right. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people that would be like very freaked out by that. Yeah. That's where the Tupperware came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I told, when I made that decision, I told my wife, I said, well, I'll try it out and I can always go back to teaching. And, right. um, and that's something that still kind of, you know, is in, in the back of my head, like if I had to, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't I, want I, to either. I don't want to go back. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay. So you were playing around with or exploring soap making and food stuff and what other mm -hmm. things that were you kind of, uh, playing around with? And, and I know that you've gone, you would go and take classes a lot. Well, uh, I first started taking classes, and this was a big leap for me, too. I like to actually spend money on myself in an area that I had no background or training or anything like that. So I started going to Art Fest in Port Townsend, Washington. And that was like my first venture into taking workshops uh, from other people. And um, that was pretty life-changing for me. I just realized so much more that was out there that I could uh, dig into and try. And um, Art Fest uh, was wonderful in that it had so many different options. So I could take a different workshop every day, try a totally different medium every day. And so I went to that until it ended. Um, and, and and that's where I actually learned encaustic painting. So it was like, once I did that, it was, it, it really was like, oh, this is so satisfying. I have mm -hmm. to, I have to dive into this. So yeah. So what was it about encaustic that just grabbed you like that said, okay, this is, this is what I, I want to do. I think that a big part of it is that it is so organic. It is so from the earth and, and it feels like a gift from the earth. Um, since it's beeswax and, uh, uh, encaustic has a little bit of Damar resin, which is a tree resin. So, which also from the earth uh, the brushes I use are, um, hogs, um, hogs hair or natural bristle. And I mean, everything is, is from the earth. So I feel like I'm not creating something that, uh, will not be able to decompose one day and, and, 
and go back to where it came from. So I really love that aspect from it. I have a really strong tie with nature. So, um, and it smells amazing. <laughs> yeah. And also it has sculptural qualities to it. So, uh, you paint with it hot and as it cools, you can carve into it and, um, and use it in so many different forms. I've found that it works well with a lot of the, um, other, uh, types of art that I was trying. So it's fun to play with it. I love origami and it, and found a way to really marry it with the origami as well. So, yeah. That kind of leads us into the next thing about, let's talk about your origami. Um, in the one podcast I was listening to, you talked about being a little girl and somebody teaching you how to do origami. Yeah. And that memory, uh, I, I, did a show a couple of years ago called paper memory. And it was pretty much about that experience with, uh, sitting with this, uh, she was like a grandmother figure to me and my mom played the organ at church. So I would sit with her and to keep me quiet, she taught me how to fold paper boats out of the bulletins at church. And, um, just that mem memory of nurturing and care that she had for me, uh, whenever I fold paper now, it's so strong. It's like a, it's a visceral experience to fold paper for me and, and it feels caring and, and loving. So um, just expanding into that. And um, so paper memory was about the, the creases that I make in the paper. Um, like if I unfold the paper, there's, there's a crease line there and the paper has that memory. And uh, I likened it to my brain has that, that memory, it will never go away mm -hmm. of that, of the moments that I had with this woman teaching me to be quiet in such a loving way. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, uh, I like that, but you know, being quiet, uh, kind of, and the way you were talking about origami makes me think of this, this notion of mindful. It seems like such a mindful yes. practice. Especially, it is like meditation. Yeah. I'll say, especially some of those very complex tessellation folds that, that you've done. Um, and but, those can take hours. So it's like a, you know, a uh, five hour meditation. So yeah. it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And, and then to get to the end and have this, um, this gorgeous object from that, that time is, is delightful. Yeah, I've I was looking at some of the um, the uh, origami stuff on your uh, website, and you were talking about unfolding the the pieces and the creases. Um, it, it seems like such a they. I mean, they just remind me of drawings. It's like you're drawing with the folds, and it's right. just, there's a very they're very unique, and they look like you said, like just the the way the shadows and such with the paper looks. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, you know, you think about like origami, okay, you make the boat, you make the swan, you make this thing, and then, but you're like, no, you make it, and then you unmake it. Yes, and actually, I've been burning some lately. <laughs> <laughs> this year has been a year of lighting things on fire, and so uh, I've been putting um, some tessellations I have embedded in wax and lit on fire this year, um, and the the forms and the lines that come through on that are pretty incredible too so uh, yeah i don't know what it is about the 
destruction of something so beautiful, but I think it's like letting go of the preciousness of the object. And, and this seems to be a time where uh, everything is somehow getting crumbled and destroyed. So yeah. it's also kind of a picture of rebirth to me that there's beauty that's going to come out of all of this. Yeah. Um, so how, I mean, so you're, you're doing origami since you were young. Uh, you say you were like, you did other kind of crafty or, or creative things when you were little. Were you into like art and drawing and stuff or um, were you just like, you know, focus on the piano? Uh, I have some old uh, stories, illustrated stories that I wrote. I love to write then too. So they're ridiculous. <laughs> they're hilarious. Uh, <laughs> the imagination was strong, but it's really fun to go back and look at those. And I have them like in a, uh, a binder with stickers all over it. And yeah, it's pretty fabulous. So I did love to do stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I, I often wonder what would happen had I had like a strong art teacher in my small town uh, to learn from, you yeah. know, what direction would I have gone, but absolutely loved all sorts of things. I loved coloring and, and yeah, storytelling narrative is even strong with the, with the paper folding. It's like, I find story in shapes and, you know, finding that deeper meaning within things. So that, that kind of leads me like that idea of story that that word has been coming up so much in everything that I've been doing, reading, writing, you know, things that I'm, that I'm writing myself. But that, that notion of story, I, um, and I think now more than ever, that's a very important concept. Um, so how how do you come up with your ideas? Because that's I think that's the question I get asked a lot people is sort of like well how do you come up with your ideas for your art where does that come from and then you can kind of say like oh well you know it's like I'm trying to tell stories but I, I, I don't know I'm just trying to I don't know does that make any sense it does make sense yeah uh I think that I've just continued from those art journal days when I was working through things so I let a lot of a uh, childhood story or uh, narrative that I was supposed to believe and was deconstructing come out on those pages and um, really learned to listen to uh, an inner voice. And so um, now I am just trying to be really careful to pay attention to what's attracting my attention. So, and, and kind of excavating that um, I have a fascination with buffaloes right now, and I don't know what it's about. And so I'm going to dig into this story um, or this um, this idea and and find out what's what's going on with that. So um, I think that our whole lives, like we we are part of a, a story, and we listen to one another's stories, and and um, we listen to the myths of our being passed down and um yeah it's, I think it's just a part of it, our inherent being as as human beings just to tell story and and to uh to tra to to communicate truths through the story I think so as I'm discovering these truths for myself uh, I try to communicate them through my work mm -hmm. so buffaloes huh 
yeah i don't know why but there, i even have a buffalo painted on my studio yeah and i'm like i i had to have that and so i'm digging into that right now was we'll it find out do you recall like a moment where you're just like ooh, buffaloes or was this just something that like creeped up on you it creeped up on me totally i i i uh folded a buffalo fell in love with that um but I was at a restaurant with a buffalo head on the wall and I'm like, oh, I love that. And, <laughs> and you know, one of those bizarre things, I don't, I'm not really a, a head trophy head kind of person, but there was something <laughs> about that buffalo. So it just keeps coming up again and again. So there's something there. Yeah. I think that, I think part of being an artist is paying attention to those things that come up again and again. And like you said, like trying to figure out like, well, why, what is it about this thing that, is drawing me in and and um i just sometimes i I feel like artists that are starting out have a hard time because they they don't have that experience and so they they rely a lot on other people telling them like what to make and how to make it and it's trying to get them to understand like well you have you have a story you have ideas it's just a matter of how you can access them and trusting yourself that that your stories are actually just as relevant as other people's stories mm-hmm. uh, yes part of my burning process has actually been letting go of uh of there i think there even in the art world there were a lot of things that i clung to because um because i don't have an art degree Mm-hmm. Um, so I would listen to what other people's ideas of what success as an artist meant. And I'm finding them, especially during this really quiet time while, while we're all staying at home, that uh, those aren't necessarily true for me. And um, one thing that I've struggled with is uh, production. Mm-hmm. I'm not a prolific artist. And that's one thing I feel like I, or I did, I really don't anymore, but I really felt like I, should be a prolific artist. I have the time and the space and the resources, um, but have found that it's really important for me personally um, to have space in between Mm -hmm. my work because uh, uh, a lot of that work does come from story. So the story has to develop within me to be able to be expressed and I can't just keep throwing it out somehow. Well, I think if you get so caught up in the making that you don't, like you said, you don't leave space. You don't have that space for that other story, that those other ideas to, to come in. It's like, it's like you can focus on, you focus on that one thing so much that you have blinders on and, and right. nothing else can kind of come in. Um, yeah. And I was, and I was sort of beating myself up too. Like, you know, the whole, uh, uh, I'm a loser because I'm not, producing and and my goal is to produce and it's like why is that my goal so that's another thing I've been burning in the studio (laughs) (laughs) what your goals or (laughs) other people's goals that I thought should be mine (laughs) yeah well it's I think burning is such a uh, a release it's a, a a great way to let go and when I left teaching I took a bunch of stuff that I had project examples things from college, I put them in my fire pit and I burned them just to kind of, wow. just to like, be like, okay, I'm, I'm done with that era of my life. Now let me move on. There's it's I think fire is very symbolic. It's, 
it's cleansing yeah. in lots of ways. So yeah. Um, I bet that felt really good. <laughs> and, I, and I've done it on, on other occasions. It, uh, I was going through my studio and I found like just a bunch of old artwork that I'm just like, you know, I don't even want this around anymore. I just need to let this go so that kind of make room for the new stuff. Cause I, I felt like, I felt like a lot of things were like cluttering around me and that there was so much clutter mm -hmm. and I've had periods in, in my art making where I've been very prolific. And so I have all this stuff and it's just sort of like, okay, it's just sitting here. Like no one's bought it. It's been here for years. I don't really want it anymore. I can't think of anything to do with it. And I'm like, well, let's just burn it. Let's, let's get rid of it. Let, let's let go of it. So um, yeah, there's something, there's something about fire that, that is. There is. Yeah, I'm digging it. It's my new medium. <laughs> <laughs> but you're using it with the uh, origami and you're using it with the uh, encaustic. Um, yes. And I also uh, recently received a gift uh, from a neighbor of uh, Greek orth Orthodox prayer candles. Hmm. So these are expired candles. They're just little nubs and they're, a lot of them are still stuck in the sand. Hmm. And so I've just been piling them up and just setting them on fire. And it's such a blast because they're, they're a hundred percent beeswax. So it's, it's, I'm still there with my earth element, yeah. you know, and uh, it, that smells really good and it's really cathartic to light them on fire. And then finding myself throwing other things in there in mm -hmm. the fire that represent whatever else that needs to go. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've been uh, really digging what you've been doing lately because it seems like you've gone back like with using those candles and going back more to the, just the natural beeswax. Mm -hmm. And I know some of your other art you're using the uh, pigmented wax, right? Um, yeah, to paint with and such. So, um, so what? I mean, we, we were talking about stories. We're talking about memories. Um, what are some other things that inspire you and the work that? that you make? Uh, so I'm a, like a really feely person. So uh, I actually um, thrive when, when I am uh, more in grief than, <laughs> than anything else, which is a really bizarre thing, but uh, art helps me work through uh, times of distress. And so um, that's actually, uh, huge fuel for me personally. Um, I know that uh, during happy times or whatever, times where there's much less stress, uh, I still paint beautifully, but a lot of times what what it is for me is uh, a release of grief and it's like really healthy mentally for me. So I can't even remember the question you asked. I went <laughs> just, on a tangent. What, no, no, it was just, it was that, uh, just what was inspiring your yeah. work that's all <laughs> grief and suffering <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but in a really good way yeah well so. it's i mean you talked about that that notion of healing and that it's not it's not the grief and the suffering for grief and suffering's sake it's right it's that healing kind of process yeah yeah it's so it's so when i enter the world uh that joy that I know and love is there when I greet people instead of being bogged down with, you mm. know, heavy weights. So, yeah. I think it's, 
um, uh, in uh, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Uh, in her morning pages, she talks about the brain dump and like, you know, you kind of mm -hmm. dump it out. And her idea is that you don't read those words because it's, you're kind of just dumping out the, the stuff that gets in the way. Um, so maybe like in, in your art, is, is it kind of like a heart dump? Are you dumping out this, this stuff that's weighing on you and your art? That is a beautiful way to put it. That's exactly it. And I also do morning pages every day. So <laughs> yes, I do. The writer in you. <laughs> exactly. But a lot of the things that come up in my morning pages, I realize that I need to, to uh, deal with in a bigger way. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's the heart dump. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it's, I, I find that I'm finding now in this time that I'm kind of going back to more of that and I'm doing a lot of writing and I'm trying to, I call it digging deep, trying to like yeah. uncover. And I love that the fact that you use the word excavate a little bit earlier because I have a painting behind me that it's part of a series called Excavate. Um, and when you were talking about sort of that visceral uh, feeling that you get when you fold origami I just remember painting that series and the reason it's called excavate is that I just felt like I was sitting there excavating all this stuff just letting my mind kind of churn as I was painting um and I've I feel like I haven't done that in a long time so this this time now when you know oh we gotta stay at home can't go anywhere and yeah. kind of forced to be to be introverted and with ourselves um i find i'm going back to that yeah i've been mesmerized by that painting i love that that's <laughs> what it's a series though that's really cool yeah it started out um i was doodling in my journal the the this kind of these shapes and stuff that were kind of going into the paper and i was doing it for the longest time i don't know for a year or more and it was one of those things that's like, well, why? What about this type of imagery? What about this thing do I um, find interesting? What's, what is this? Why am I mm -hmm. drawn to this kind of thing? And then as I was painting and exploring, it was just like, oh, I'm excavating. I'm like trying to dig down into myself. I'm trying to connect with something in me and this, and what's funny is like, I don't look at the paintings as sort of like, this is what I'm finding. I look at it as the paintings are the journey because I was able to, it was the physical act of painting it that allowed my mind to sort of piece together ideas. Um, and I never really thought about that until now. So it's kind of a interesting thing to kind of go back. I, that was a series I did like 10 years ago. Yeah. So, so excavating. So one of, one of my favorite people is Linda Berry, mm -hmm. the cartoonist, or I'm a writer. I, I don't, I don't like to put a label on her because she's <laughs> just so much. But uh, one thing she often says is, uh, you know, what is it about the, the hand in motion? Mm -hmm. And there is something about, uh, I think that our body actually needs to release stuff. So the you excavating as part of the painting process. I think is a perfect example of that. Mm. It's like your hand is doing what it needs to do, you know, just to release whatever is back there. Our subconscious is so yeah. full of stuff. So 
Yeah, she she talks about like allowing things to show up that you get your hand moving and you see what shows up. Yeah. Yep. So, so do you feel like you do a lot of that with with your work? Like you just start making something and then ideas come or do you have more of a specific idea before you start? Uh I would say more often the first that uh, I will start painting. Um, I When I do paint, especially with the, when I'm not burning things and I'm actually painting, um, it, it's a mostly abstract work. Uh, and so I just do what my hand wants to do. Uh, I let my hand move the way it wants to move. And um, I let my hand grab the color that it wants to paint with. and. Um, and even last year, I found a symbol kept coming up in my work, and it was a ladder. And so I had to excavate what that meant. And uh, it was a really interesting part of my um, lineage and, and history. And so uh, it went back to having to do with relationships with my grandmothers and going forward. And uh, But I didn't know what it was when it showed up. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, but every, but with the Buffalo, see, it's the ladder. It's the, <laughs> uh, it's uh, having this image that keeps repeating. And so I dig into it more. And so maybe push into it that way, but, but usually it's the letting my hand tell me what it wants to do and, and other things come up like Buffaloes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of uh, people have this idea that artists, envision like the completed work and that they they sit down and they try to bring that that vision that mental image to life and i think there are some artists but most artists i know really are are about the process about the process will lead to something it's a um, i always call it a process of discovery yes yeah um i'm fascinated by artists that do that have that vision in mind uh, because I tried working that way and and just was very frustrated by it. So it's like our brains work so differently. The way we mm-hmm. we work in the world works so differently, and mine doesn't work that way. But I'm really fascinated by someone who does have the vision and is able to. This is what I wanted to create, and this is what I did. So it's 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 a special gift, I think. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's probably even in that process in having. Uh, I think there's a discovery process, even in having the vision as the end product. Um, although I don't know what that, I, I don't know if it's like just the discovery of, oh, when I did this, it was, it worked mm-hmm. better this way. And I'll remember that for the future, but it's not like, oh, my grandma's showing up in my work. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think that's the, the fun part for me as an artist is sort of like, okay, this, this is coming up. Why is this, what is about this? And, and um, what do I want to say about it? Or what is this thing kind of saying to me? Yeah. So what about your, you draw a lot of rectangles or box shapes. What is it about those? Um, I think it's, I was, I was actually been thinking about this a lot lately because I feel I've been feeling boxed in. And, uh, and I think that's 
been represented in the kind of the geometric, the rectangles, the squares. And I, f I think it's, um, it rectangles and squares are very structural, very predictable, mm -hmm. very stable. And especially over the last four years since I left teaching, my life has not been that stable. So I think intuitively and subconsciously, I've been drawn to, to that in my work just to sort of like, okay, I need structure. I need this stability because my life isn't quite as stable as I'd like it to be maybe. And that's kind mm -hmm. of like where I've been thinking about it. And I, and I've been using this time that I've been sort of hunkered down in my house to kind of explore notions of kind of releasing that, trying not to fall back. And that's the other thing is like, I just felt like, oh, I'm just falling back to these very comfortable things that are easy to do. I, I'm not pushing myself. And so I, I've been really feeling like I've been in a rut lately. And so I've been trying to kind of come out of that. So um, interesting that you bring that up because that's a process I'm going through right now. Um, how about you? Have you ever been in that thing where you felt like you were in a creative rut? And if you have, what did you do to sort of like work yourself out of it? Uh, I definitely have. Uh, and I think that's when uh, I still had a lot of voices uh, for me. Chuck, I was listening to other people tell me whether my work was valuable or not. So I was trying to create for other people. And so uh, I actually took, with the sculptural properties of wax, I took a sharp tool and just started scratching through. And uh, also another nice thing about wax is you can paint over. And so uh, I actually got really chaotic and um, pretty messy with some of the paintings and then ended up painting over the top of that, this calm, peaceful landscape sort of dreamscape. But it, it, it was breaking free of that process of, uh, of thinking that I, I had to create in a certain way. And I know that's not what you're saying, but that, that's where I was stuck. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to create something that you will find valuable yeah. and realizing that that didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's trying to trust your own voice. Right. And yeah. that's, that's a struggle, I think, for a lot of creative, creative people mm -hmm. because they're, you know, it's especially if you're trying to make a living with it because you want, oh, I want my stuff to sell. I want to be able to do these things. But if no one's buying it, then, you know, you're kind of left scratching your head like, okay, well, what's going on here? And so it, I think it is right. tempting to kind of make stuff for other people instead of really making it for yourself. Yeah. We're so. making it because it just needs to be made. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that's part of where I am now. It's like, I'm trying to figure out like what, what needs, what do I need to make? Not thinking about, like you said, what's, what am I making for other people? Um, so that's, I think, a... I think that's the hardest part uh, for an artist. That's something that I've really been thinking about a lot because uh, we are making things that, uh, we do want to sell. We would like to sell our work. Um, and so we are looking to other people to purchase our work. But something that I'm really weary of is the art hustle. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, putting the work out there and doing all this work to maybe hopefully sell a piece. And 
it's great when I do. And I love that, but it's like the, uh, I just don't like that part of the <laughs> art world. I really hate it. Or, or especially now, uh, I see, um, um, so many artists are struggling to stay afloat when, when so many people aren't working and it's making it even more difficult. Yeah. And so, um, I love what you're doing with the, the workshop, the, the live workshop, the mm -hmm. uh, online stuff is, is, uh, I think that is really life giving right now that, um, yeah, I personally am wanting to, I don't know, retreat from <laughs> the traditional art world, uh, just to get away from that, yeah. that hustle. Yeah. I well, and I, th I think this time is very, um, uh, cathartic for people. I think it's really helping shine a light on what our priorities are. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I, 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 I see some artists that are really like, okay, I'm taking this time to like hunker down in my studio and I'll pop my head mm -hmm. up every so often, but, um, I'm taking this time for myself. But then I see other artists that are really scrambling and trying to figure out like, okay, you know, I need to eat, I need to pay my bills. Right. And, <laughs> it's necessary yeah. it's all necessary yeah so finding and, that balance is really hard yeah and so for me whenever the stay-at-home order was ordered here in Virginia and all of a sudden all my classes and workshops were getting canceled I was just like okay I started freaking out at first but then I kind of calmed down and said all right well I'm good for a little while let me just start kind of reaching out and and putting stuff out mm -hmm. there and and I did turn on to more online stuff but not I didn't want to be like oh hey come buy my art oh come take a workshop with me because everyone was kind of freaking out at that time I think now people are settling into the routine and yeah. um yeah so yeah the online stuff is definitely I mean even this I mean I've had this podcast now for over a year and one of my goals was to interview other artists, but mm -hmm. I haven't done that so much because what I was finding was like, oh, I interviewed a few of my friends because I used to do the podcast out in my garage where I don't have Wi-Fi, and so uh, yeah. so I had to have a person with me in the studio or you know go to their house and uh, or meet with them somewhere where we could be in the same location and do an interview, and then as soon as this this situation hit. I was like, oh, I'll move at least a little bit of my studio into the house so that I can connect to the Wi-Fi. And so then I was like, oh, well, I can start doing stuff online. I can do like live streaming and do online classes, but oh, I can also start interviewing artists. So I, to me, this was a real opportunity to connect with other people, which is really strange in a, in a time when you're not allowed to go out, you know, go and gather and meet and and that kind of stuff. So, um, yep. it's a very strange time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meet, meet with people across the, the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I've had actually uh, with my online workshop, I have somebody from Denmark that signed up and somebody from England. And so awesome. it's, it's really cool to be able to connect with people. And a lot of the, a lot of these were people that I've seen a lot on, uh, social media and it was, finally nice to be able to be like oh okay now i can put a face with the name so right very very cool to kind of do that um 
so have you been making a lot uh well, I don't want to say making a lot of work, but have you turned to your studio and making in this time? Or is this a time where you've kind of stepped back? What's, how are you dealing with this whole situation? Is kind of, I guess, is how I'm. Uh, uh, I found it depends on the day. Some, some days uh, I'm in the studio all day and other days it's uh, I, I've been reading a lot reading a lot more than uh, I'd normally do. So I've just found that maybe I just need to shut down that way. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but, but having that realization that um, I do need space in between my work, it's been really nice. I haven't been beating myself self up about not being in the studio every day when I had nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so, uh, but it has been wonderful to be in there on the days that I'm there. And, um, it's been really satisfying. Uh, yeah. I'm just letting it go by how I feel when I wake up mm -hmm. each day because I can right now. And it's kind of a really nice, uh, uh, break from, from the usual pattern of, of the schedule of a week or whatever it might look like. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that ebb and flow, um, I know I've talked to, about this with a lot of my artist friends is that there's an ebb and a flow to things. And mm -hmm. um, there's a podcast that, that I listen to called the uh, creative pep talk and on it, the guy, he calls himself Andy J pizza. His last name is really Miller, but he likes pizza. So he calls himself. <laughs> Andy J. Pizza. I don't know if you're familiar with that podcast, but um, he talks about like everything having a season and that, you know, we have to recognize those seasons. There are those seasons where we are going to be fully immersed in our art. There are going to be seasons where we have to kind of step back. Um, and the same thing with like, uh, like, you know, sometimes there's going to be times when, you know, we're doing a lot of workshops or we're selling a lot of work. Other times where those things aren't going to be so much and just trying to recognize that ebb and flow. And I've always liked that, those terms. Um, yes. I'm finding that during this pandemic time, it's a different season every day. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, today it, I woke up to spring, so I'm glad about that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very rainy here yesterday, and uh, I, I just you know went outside to get the mail, and I'm just like I'm tired of the rain. It's, it seems like it's been raining so much, yeah. and then today it's nice and sunny. So, um, yeah, different season. <laughs> um. So we're talking about seasons and ebbing and flowing. Um, but with the with the pandemic, pandemic, <laughs> with the pandemics, oh my gosh, <laughs> with the pandemic. <laughs> Seriously, uh, some days I wake up and it, you know, in winter I I really feel like hibernating, um, and it does feel like winter some days when I wake up, I just want to hibernate. And I think it's just like, I, I find that the less I uh, look at Facebook or the news mm -hmm. or anything like that, the more it feels like spring and summer. But some days I just, it's, it's winter again, um, no matter what it's like outside. And I don't want to go in the studio. I don't want to do anything. It's so uh, I have appreciated being able to take the time now just to acknowledge that's how I feel that day and just let it be mm -hmm. without 
uh, pushing myself or, or having to be somewhere feeling that way. So, um, but yay for spring today. <laughs> <laughs> so you have an awesome studio space. Um, you just have to walk downstairs and you're in your studio. Um, I really enjoyed the weekend there that I, that I taught. It's a huge open space. Um, what do you have any kind of rituals that help you kind of get into into the art making or into creating is there anything that you do special or do you just like go down and jump in when you feel feel like it um i do have sort of a a ritual and and uh, in painting uh painting with wax i have to turn on my palettes and and heat the wax up so there is some time there if i'm not just burning candles um, to, to heat things up. So, uh, when I enter my studio, I immediately go turn things on. And, um, then I often write, or if I've already journaled that day, I will start tidying and like tidying and just putting things away here and there. Um, just kind of clearing space, uh, to make way for whatever's coming. And then, um, I don't know. It is a big space. So I find myself walking around it and not like in a systematic way, but just like, you know, what pieces are speaking to me today and um, what colors are speaking to me today. And um, sometimes uh, I will fold paper before my hot wax is ready to paint with. And uh, yeah, it's kind of just entering. It's like entering a sacred space to me. Um, and if sometimes Scott, my husband, like he, he has his own part of uh, our building and sometimes he's playing music really loud or, or I hear Star Trek episodes going on <laughs> on the other side. And so I have to put in my headphones. Uh, I find I really like to paint when uh, I'm listening to music. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'll put on whatever is calling to me that day and listen to that and get in a groove. I burn a lot of incense. And so incense is usually going at the very beginning of my process, um, just as part of me getting into my um, headspace and letting mm -hmm. the rest of uh, my duties of life go so I can be fully present with my work. There's the burning again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a theme. <laughs> um, so when you're when you're working, I mean, your studio space is, is pretty huge and yep. um so do you find that you have like lots of different things going on and because you're talking about like walking around and like things speaking to you is that kind of how you work you have lots of different things or do you have a one or two things going on what, what what's your process like uh i have a lot of things out uh i'm probably actively working on probably uh five or six things at a time uh, i have a lot more out um, on tables just to see if something calls to me. I have, uh, so the series where I'm actually burning stuff and using those candles and, uh, you know, just lighting things on fire, I've made it a purpose to only use panels that I want to reclaim. Like mm -hmm. I've decided I, I don't even like that work anymore. I'm not even going to try to sell that painting. And so, um, I've been burning on top of old work. So it's like, which work wants to be released today mm. almost sort of in the process. But I also love little bits of old paper. And so um, I don't know how it happens, but they end up all over my studio. And I, <laughs> I don't know, I have a lot of old books and I'll just get things out. Uh, 
um, Crystal uh, Marie Neubauer has been uh, doing a wonderful online uh, collage uh, workshop. And so my, a lot of my papers were out working on collage with her with that and um, just finding bits and stuff. And uh, a lot of those bits end up in my work. Just like I'm attracted to the shape of you, the color of you, the age of you. Maybe there's a word on a piece of paper. and and it may never get seen in my work, but there's something about the process of collecting those little bits and um, kind of, and sometimes I don't even use them in there in my work, but it's like a little pile of treasure <laughs> right beside the space where I'm working. So a lot of that happens too. Yeah. Kind of like a magpie collecting shiny things. And so it's like I'm bringing but, them in and seeing what works paper. in the magic. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's cool. I always love hearing about artist process because you know we're all so different um but then it's also interesting to, to hear about how sometimes we do things in in similar ways or um I, I think a lot of people just have this idea and i think it comes from uh education like in school like you you have a project you work on this thing from start to finish and then you move on to something else and i don't know many artists that work that way um, I, right. I think most artists usually have lots of different things going on, things that they've started that have stalled out, things that are just kind of sitting there waiting for some spark of inspiration. Um, and I, I, that's that's a myth that I, I keep wanting to try to dispel with people. It's like artists tend to have like, you know, tons of stuff started and are probably working on lots of different things at a single time. Um, yes. And I think that's really good too, because uh, if I find that I get really stuck on one piece, I just move to the next mm -hmm. thing. And and then I can come back to the other one after I've worked on a few other things for a while. And it looks completely different to me. So I'm able to approach it and know know what to do next. So you mentioned your husband, Scott. Um, like you said, he's a great guy. Uh, I loved hanging out with, with you and your family. Um, your family's pretty creative. I mean, you've got, mm -hmm. you got your husband who, well, you and your husband own a video production company. Um, your son works with him and, mm -hmm. but your son's also a writer. Yeah. He's, he just uh, released his fourth novel and they're all available on Amazon. <laughs> pretty amazing. I, I, and they're great. They're great. So awesome. yeah. And my daughter's a chef and she's also a visual artist, but uh, like her, the career that she has pursued has been in the food world. So, yeah. Do you, do you think, I mean, you were talking about like when you first got started getting into art that your kids were young. Do you think mm -hmm. that helped them kind of say to themselves like, Hey, it's okay to be like, explore these creative fields. I think so. And um, also with, uh, with the work that Scott does in the, um, like I, I'm his, uh, accountant that's where I, I still use my accounting i'm glad i have that skill but um when when uh, he is working his jobs are whenever the, the jobs are you know it's like he doesn't have uh, a traditional work week mm -hmm. or a traditional work day or hours or whatever and so um i think even seeing that lifestyle and and having um my now adult children grow up in a home that was entrepreneurial and based in base or the way it was based uh has given them the thinking that they can 
like, what do I want to do? And how would I go about doing that? So when, I know one of the reasons that my son does work in the video production world is so that he can actually make money as he develops his writing. So his hope is one day just to be writing. Mm -hmm. um, but until that point, uh, he has this other creative work that he can do. So. Oh, good, good. Um, let's see. I'm trying to. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I just went blank. I was like listening to you, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> can't think of. I should have had a list of questions. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I, I want to get back to inspiration um, because I, I always feel like people wait for inspiration, especially if they don't understand creativity. Um, there's a, I, I love this quote by Chuck Close, and he says that inspiration is for amateurs and that the rest of us just show up and get to work. And that by getting to work, those ideas kind of start to come and develop. And I always tell, I always say people tell people like inspiration is like waiting for lightning to strike that right. you have to have, you have to set up the right conditions in order for lightning to strike. If you want to get struck by lightning, Number one, it's got to be stormy. It, lightning has to be like flashing around and you want to go stand like on your roof with a very tall metal pole. And then hopefully you'll get struck by lightning. And I feel like that that's like inspiration is that you have to set up the circumstances. And we do that by going to the studio or sitting down and writing or working in a journal. And um, and so I think I think there's a lot of misconceptions around that notion of inspiration. Um, I agree. Yeah, totally. I think it's more a, a, a matter of noticing. Uh, I, I think uh, there is a certain way of perceiving the world or noticing things in the world uh, that make our brain spin and we need to pay attention to those things. It's, it's uh, not waiting for an inspirational idea so we can go make that idea happen it's like responding to life every day and um like like the the shadow on the paper like i love shadows so i watch shadows everywhere i go mm -hmm. and um and i'm really inspired by shape of shadow and and things like that uh another thing is um because i have horrible vision i'm terribly myopic I love getting really, really close to flowers and, you know, taking photos of mm -hmm. flower, flowers really close up. Um, things like that. It's like if I look that far into the flower, I see things that I never would have seen before. Um, and that perception then, like, I think that way of thinking, I think carries into, I'm not waiting for something to inspire me. Um, I'm looking for uh beautiful things everywhere i go and and how i'm not looking at objects necessarily but um shapes and shadows and light and dark and and things like that so um those ideas are just filled in my head and they have to come out but it's not like yeah if i waited for an inspirational idea mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> Two times a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and uh, I think that's that's the issue is that when a lot of people are starting out in whatever creative field, that they are waiting for like inspiration to strike, and mm. 
people just, you end up sitting around a whole lot. And if you just start doing something, then ideas start to flow. And I I like how you described it as noticing something and then responding. Yeah. And also going back to Linda Berry's thing with the hand in motion, I think that our body already has something to say and we just need to let our Mm -hmm. hands move and, and actually do whatever they want to do to create something. Uh, yeah. So, um, speaking of inspiration and noticing things, uh, I noticed that some of your recent work has been, looks like it's been inspired by family members. So you did a series of paintings based on a drawing that your grandson had done. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I, somebody handed me the drawing from Noah, so I didn't get it directly from him and he's three years old. And so and then I went on a retreat with a few friends of mine. We met and uh, spent a week together in an Airbnb and went to one of one of the um, gals' studio every day and just created. And I used that little piece of paper as inspiration. And I saw it as this beautiful little vessel. So I was painting a vessel and then I turned it over and I thought, well, maybe it's a cave. And so just, you know, using my imagination to all the things that it could be. And later when I asked him about it, after I had created all these paintings, he said, it's, it's a square. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you need to draw me some more shapes. <laughs> I need some more shapes because it was really wonderful just letting my imagination go as to, you know, what he had been thinking about yeah. when he drew his square. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then you were get- getting some inspiration from your grandfather. Oh, yeah. So one of the things I burned, I happened to have uh, uh, some wheat left from my grandpa's last wheat crop. He died in 1994. Mm -hmm. And I had wheat from that and um, just recently threw it in with the prayer candles and lit it on fire. And um, uh, that was so powerful to me. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of story in that, that uh, personal story that I probably shouldn't share here on this podcast, but uh, it was a, a huge releasing mm-hmm. of, um, I don't know, just a lot of family stuff, family crap that builds up, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cathartic, but just the fact that that, that I had that wheat that, that was that old and that it was actually tied to my grandpa's last crop that he put in the ground and, and harvested was, mm. um, I don't know. It was pretty amazing. I like that. And, and it smelled like bread when I lit it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that idea of releasing stories. I think that's a, uh, just, that's a good phrase releasing stories. Um, yeah, it's like I said, stories has been coming up that word, that notion has been mm-hmm. coming up so much with me lately. So, um, it's good to hear that other people use that, um, that that's important to them as well. Um, so I'm starting to run out of some questions. Uh, so I'm going to wrap it up, but what I'd like, you know, this is artistic accomplices and the ideas 
that I, I think people get inspiration from hearing the stories of other artists and hearing their journey and um, hearing about how they come up with ideas. Um, but, you know, we're in this really unprecedented time now. And I think there are people that are struggling. There are people that maybe are using this time to, to create and kind of get in touch with that part of themselves. So mm -hmm. do you have any kind of advice or words of wisdom to share with anybody just that, um, yeah, just that, that might help them in their kind of journey and in, in, in their creating? Yeah. So I really think that our brains do work very diff differently. Like, uh, uh, so my process is going to be my process, but my advice to everyone would be, what is it that, that you want to do? Like, what are you drawn to? What are the things that you love? Is, is there a certain color? Is there a shape? Um, I love geometry and, you know, the shadow that I've been talking about and um, some, and I'm not, and I'm an abstract painter, but some people love the realism. It's like, what are you drawn to? And uh, for those that, that like me, that don't have an art background uh, that may be just starting out. Uh, one thing that I do did when I couldn't uh, draw um, and I wanted to tell a story in my work is uh, used a lot of, uh, uh, collage shapes cut out of things and glued down and so it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be fine art to be amazing work um, and it can be amazing work just for you and that's plenty um, and just the process of keep doing it and keep coming back and listening to that inner voice I think is really important Awesome. I think that's awesome advice. Um, so I appreciate you being here with me today and taking time out and, and uh, it's good to talk with you again after a couple of years. Um, is there, any... I wish we could play Farkle actually, if we could play <laughs> Farkle, this would be great. <laughs> it's wonderful to see your face, but I missed the dice rolling here. <laughs> Well, you know, well, there could, there might be a way to do virtual Farkle. I don't know. Um, <laughs> for anybody that that's listening, that's wondering what the heck is Farkle? It's a dice game that um, you can look it up online. But um, I learned it years and years ago, and uh, it's just. Something. And I learned it from Eric, and it's a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, a good friend of both of ours, Erin, um, who kind of introduced us. That's we made a connection with her because of she knew what Farkle was. She grew up with her grandparents <laughs> playing it. And uh, so, yeah, so Farkle is a, uh, it's a dice game, but it's it's a fun, there's all kind of different variations and some of them are, are hysterical and some of them are fun and, well, they're all fun, but <laughs> anyway, it's, yeah. So that's what Farkle is. Um, so is there anything else that, that uh, you'd like to say or, Anything else that we, we didn't touch on? I think we touched on everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my big, the, the big lesson that I've learned in the pandemic um, has been, and I think I've said this in different forms, um, you know, we, we all think differently, but uh, 
we all have a different pace and we all have uh, different things that we need to create and you need to do what's, what, what's inside of you and not worry about what other people uh, believe makes you successful or not as an artist. So, yeah. Listening to your own voice and not the voices of all those other people. So, exactly. Um, all right, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amanda. Like I said, Amanda is an awesome person. Uh, I'm very grateful to know her. She brings such joy to the world, and I'm so glad that she was able to spend some time with me. And there are just a few things that are just kind of kind of flowing in my brain right now after um, after this talk, and and just that that notion of release came up a lot, and how art can be such a release and such a healing thing for for people. And I think we do that through our stories that just kept coming up again and again. So I hope you really enjoyed uh, this conversation. And please make sure that you check out Amanda's website and her social media stuff. Um, I'll post that in the show notes. And just really appreciate you tuning in and listening and as always, happy creating. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me.